On 89.9, the light, you're in conversation with Clayton and via the wonders of Zoom. It's just awesome to be able to have a chat to uh, the author of this new book, Recovery, Andrew Weir, joins us. G'day, Andrew. G'day, Clayton. Really great to be here. It is so good to have a chat to you. Um, what I love about this book, and maybe give us the 15-second the summary that you might you know, give to somebody, and then I want to talk a bit more about your life, and then we'll come back to the book. So sure. what is that 15-second summary? Well, I guess throughout history, humans have faced all sorts of crises from war to pandemic, natural disaster, recession. And if you look back throughout history, humans have recovered consistently time and time again and to bounce back to become even better than they were before. And I guess my take really is if the, if we can do that in the past, if we've done that in the past, I'm confident we can do that again too after this pandemic. Yeah, excellent. So we're going to explore some of the ways that you're, you're looking at what that might be as we, we go into it. And I think this is, you know, sometimes we sort of sit in the middle of this and we go, I can't even think of going beyond this yet. Um, <laughs> but I think there's value in doing that. So I'm, I'm really mm. looking forward to exploring that with you. Let's do a bit of your backstory of why you would get to a place of saying, look, this is something I'd want to write a book on and mm. those things. You've done a lot of study. You've done a lot of work. Give us a bit of your background. Yeah. So look, my backstory is someone who's worked in government for quite some time, but I found myself back in March 2020 uh, starting a new job at the city of Melbourne. Um, literally the week that everyone started working from home, I started my new job and I spent the first nine months uh, working with a team that I'd never met face to face, working absolutely frantically uh, like I'd never worked before with a team uh, trying to respond to the challenges of the pandemic. The, the uh, central city in, in Melbourne was faced with uh, closures, obviously, and small businesses were really doing it tough. Um, and we threw everything we could at that problem. And, but at some point during that, during that um, period, it really became apparent that we couldn't just keep our head down and thinking only about the challenges of the present. We actually had to think, think about the longer term perspective. Where, where is this going? Um, what is the, what is the future beyond the pandemic going to look like? And how are we going to set ourselves up for a really successful future? And so in asking, how might you tackle a problem like that? Because none of us, I don't know about you, but I've never lived through a global pandemic before, but um, and I don't think anyone, any of us have. So how do you go about thinking, what does it take to recover from a global pandemic? And so I guess the, the take really there was, let's go and look at uh, you know, past crises and see how other cities and other nations have recovered from crises in the past. And maybe we can, maybe I can generate some insights from that and we can potentially apply those insights to the recovery that's ahead of us. And, and so that was, the, that was the task. It was a pretty crazy time to write a book in the midst of all of that with children at home, uh, remote learning, uh, working in a crazy job remotely myself. But the book process was almost therapeutic in the quiet hours of the early morning and, and, and late evening, um, thinking about some of these challenges. And, and it was actually uh, really uh, a positive thing to do because in the midst of the doom and gloom to actually think about the positive future that might be ahead of us, I, I found a really... Uh, really reaffirming um, exercise to go through. Yeah. Andrew, the, uh, I hope this question comes across rightly in what I'm trying to ask. I, I'd imagine a book like this might be done from, you know, a huge university with a whole stack of people working on it uh, and trying to do it. Clearly, this is something for you that is something that is buzzing in your head and who you are and, and where it is. Where does that part of you come from? And, you know, rather than necessarily say, well, actually, this this probably would be a university study that someone will do at some point. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not, 
it was, it's a curiosity piece in a lot of ways. It was for me wanting to satisfy my own curiosity. I mean, this is a big moment we're all living through the sort of, sort of experience that we'll be talking about with our grandkids, uh, you know, in years to come. And we're all trying to make sense of it. And, and I, I was really driven by curiosity in a lot of ways. And, and, and the great thing about writing this book is I got to talk with a whole bunch of really interesting people from all around the world, uh, experts, uh, community leaders who'd been through re- the recovery themselves, um, government people, um, all sorts of people who were expert in uh, the recoveries that their nation or their or their cities had been through, and and it was really um, really quite a satisfying experience to connect with people all around the world and actually share that experience and and learn learn from it, uh, and you know. Yeah, it, it it's almost feels like something I would have wanted to do were I not writing a book. I mean, in a lot of yeah, ways, right. it, it's actually it it's actually felt felt compelled to. I think, and and yeah. it was just so happened that it manifested in a book that I hope can has got something to offer for a broader broader readership. But yeah, excellent, love that. So you, you said you know you you went back and and you looked at some past history and how we've done it, and you know obviously there's been lots of discussion over the past year or two with. You know, the Spanish flu, we've, a whole lot of people have talked about that. What were some of the things that you actually went back to to look at and say, okay, so the world was hit quite dramatically in this way and then it recovered and this way and recovered. What were some of those things you looked through? Yeah, look through everything from from the Spanish flu, absolutely. Um, another pandemic or an ep- another epidemic that occurred was the, uh, the SARS epidemic that occurred throughout much of Asia. Uh, a decade or so ago, and I looked at Taiwan's experience and what they've what they learned from that experience and how they how that improved their readiness for this pandemic this time around. I looked at natural disasters, the Christchurch earthquakes uh, in from 2010, the the uh, tsunami, the Boxing Day tsunami of 2004 that impacted much of the uh, Indian Ocean region, including in Aceh uh, in Indonesia. Um, recoveries from wars from the korean war after world war ii in germany um and and great depressions uh in the in the 1930s the the period following the great depression uh all sorts of crises and i was a bit biased i i picked i picked those um those recoveries that were successful and not not every you know recovery is not guaranteed but i really wanted to drill down and focus on those recoveries that were successful that had demonstrated that it is possible to bounce back from a big crisis and and become you know yeah you know, and build a better future than, than the one that existed beforehand yeah were there common themes as you looked at the successful recoveries that you sort of were perhaps surprised by or or you were even expecting and you went yep there there they all are are there, there things we should be looking at yeah, totally, totally, and and it, it's not always easy to to assemble them. But I did my best in 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 thinking through this to to draw out those common themes and and really to assemble some insights for what I hope will be useful for us in, ahead. Things such as um, working in partnership. All of us are going to have to work together during this recovery. If you particularly say in our big cities that have been particularly impacted, Melbourne and Sydney, we're going to need local government working in partnership with state government, working in partnership with federal government and and the community groups. And we're all going to have to work together in partnership. That's really clear. The other piece of that is uh, the, the really successful recoveries involved the community in their own recoveries, thinking about uh, communities taking ownership of building the future that they want and governments working, governments and others working in partnership with those communities. So a community-led recovery. Uh, 
other things to think about is uh, an experimental and creative approach to recovery. So rather than a big bureaucratic master plan, actually empowering a whole series of uh, groups and, 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 and people from across the spectrum to actually come up with ideas, give them a go, see if they work. Some of them won't work and you can put them to bed and other, other ones will work and, and can be scaled up. And that experimental approach particularly was what was applied through the 1930s through the New Deal after the Great Depression and that worked really well. And so there's some, there's some themes like that that we can adapt when we um, come to thinking about our approach in the, in the year or two ahead. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I think if we're sort of honest with ourselves as we go through this pandemic is, uh, and especially here in Melbourne, you know, we've had those highs of or the lows originally and then the highs of, oh, wow, we sort of got back to normal. Mm. Um, and then it's, oh, my goodness, we've gone back again. And I, I think probably there's a lot of fear that people have of this is never going to be the same. And, you know, you start hearing yeah. those phrases. Uh, we, we're never going to get back to what it was. Yeah. Um, there's always going to be maybe another pandemic or some sort of restriction or whatever yeah. else it might be. Had you looked and seen different aspects of how people had feared things and how they got over that yeah. as you look through it as well, Andrew? I think it's worthwhile thinking about just what is a recovery and just what is a crisis for that matter. Um, yeah. I mean, let's, I mean, you think about what is a crisis and I went back and looked at the dictionary definitions of the word crisis and, you know, it's not all bad. A crisis is actually defined as a turning point for better or worse. It's actually one of those decisive moments when, you know, it's a bit of an unstable or critical time in which, you know, there's a change impending. Um, and so it c- contains within it, within it a sense of possibility, I think, that, that word crisis. And then you think through recovery and the definition of recovery, one of the ones I really liked was the process of becoming successful or normal again after problems. It's a process in which a situation improves after a difficult period. It's not actually about going back to what was. Mm. It's actually about thriving again after a crisis and so i'm not convinced that we will go back to the way things were and nor that that's necessarily a bad thing i think we're going to have the opportunity ahead of us to create a new future ideally one that's better than the one the better than the situation we had before the crisis and that's the that's both a challenge and an opportunity for us i think yeah Absolutely. My guest is Andrew Weir. He's the author of the book, Recovery, How We Can Create a Better, Brighter Future After a Crisis. Uh, Looking forward to chatting more with Andrew around that. And how do we overcome in all of the various ways that you talked through already and some more details, some more flesh on the bones for us as well of what maybe we can do as we start getting prepared for recovery too. That's on the way next here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. On 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton. Andrew Weir is my guest, the author of the book, Recovery, How Can We Re- How we Can Create a Better, Brighter Future After a Crisis. You think I'd be able to do that better since I was just literally reading it. But, uh, you, you know, all these years in radio, it still doesn't prepare you for everything there. Um, Andrew, uh, I, I love this as we're specifically focusing, and you've spent this time writing this book around how do we go starting to look for recovery through COVID and the pandemic and then beyond as well. One of the questions I did want to ask you, and we've mentioned already a number of the past crises that you've looked through over the last hundred plus years or so. One of the things that seems to be happening now, and maybe it's it's not actually unusual, but there seems to be a lot of division. A lot of people on one side or the other of, you know, it's not even really a crisis to the vaccine, to the vaccine passport, to whatever it might be, there seems mm. to be division. And it, 
I'm sensing that maybe there wasn't as much division as recovery was pushed through for other crises in the past. Yeah. Or am I reading that wrong? Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think you're right in observing that there is quite a polarised discussion happening in places around around the process of getting through the pandemic. And and, and that comes about through where, where all of us were every day focused on a set of numbers, that's the, you know, the case numbers, the hospitalisation numbers, the vaccination numbers. And it's very much focused on today and today only, or, or maybe we can look out to tomorrow. And that leads to differences of perspective. But I think the opportunity to unite and to come together is to have a conversation uh, with a bigger canvas that where we can lift our head up from beyond just today and actually ask ourselves, uh, what's the future that we want to create for ourselves as a nation, as a society, as a community? And let's all be part of that conversation. And uh, with a, let's, let's lift our ambition to have a conversation about that. And I think when you start getting into that terrain, the, the sort of day-to-day tactical conflict evaporates and we can start uh, getting into the space of the nation that we want to create is one that's built on ambition and prosperity and fairness and 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 all the sort of values that we that that we may or may not agree on but we can at least i think create a space to have a a civil debate about the nation that we're building after the pandemic and i think the time frame question i think is really important to that Mm. and it's why we need to lift our gaze well we need to do both actually we need to keep keep focused on getting through the pandemic but we also need to be having the conversation i think now about what happens after the pandemic yeah, it sort of, I suppose, blends into my next question, which was, all right, Andrew, here you are. here's the magic wand. Uh, what do you want governments to do? What do you want communities to do? And what do you want individuals to do? Mm. I suppose I sort of interact that with what you just said as well around how should we think? How should each of those layers of society think as well? Yeah. You know, if, you, if you had your way and you went, oh, look, I reckon this is the, the path, what would that be? Yeah. Let's all remember that recovery after a crisis like this is not just something for governments to do. We can't just sit back passively uh, and wait. Governments have clearly got a really important role, but it's something, one thing that I observed throughout other crises was that recoveries were social movements. They were the whole community going on a journey. After the Spanish flu, the there was a and which followed in turn from World War Two, World War One. There was a there was a huge appetite to go out and be social and and connect with other humans and to be uh, have parties and 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 really embrace life. You know, it was so the Roaring Twenties that came after the Spanish flu was as much a social movement as it was an economic response from government, for example. And I think that's going to be the case after after um, our pandemic too. We're all going to have a role to play. It's how we interact with our neighbours. It's how we interact with our broader communities um, and, and go and connect. That'll be important. All of us are members of community organisations to some extent. They've all got a role to play, a really important role in recovery. Uh, and uh, and governments too, clearly. And, uh, you know, I'm a public policy practitioner. I can quite easily go into public policy speak. I won't try not to try not to do too much of that, but I think we're going to need to see governments continuing to support the economy so that we can actually uh, see the economy keep uh, stimulating, uh, keep, keep going strongly so that we can get, uh, maintain our prosperity, uh, use that stimulus ideally to create a better future for ourselves, um, follow the lead perhaps of countries such as Germany and South Korea who are using economic stimulus to invest in new industries, for example, or the 
creation of a green carbon to help decarbonize our economy, green green hydrogen to help decarbonize our economy, or or support electric vehicle um, rollouts, or all sorts of things that other nations are doing. And I think we can start thinking about if we're going to be spending lots of money on stimulus over the next couple of years. What's the legacy we want to see from that? Mm-hmm. What do we want to build from it? And that's a conversation I think we can still have. Um, yeah. And so there's a role for all of us, um, but it's important that we're all starting to have those conversations and having them together, not having them separately in our different groups, but actually coming together to have a shared conversation, I think is a really important part. Yeah, that's good. And, and I think there's an aspect of what you're saying there. I know certainly it's a part of your book as well, is that how do we actually take this moment to, to almost maybe not rectify, but have the future we'd like rather than, as you said, just get back to what it was. Mm. Um, And there's this opportunity, isn't there? I mean, that's what great business has always done. That's what great families have always done. Great inventors have always done. They've seen a moment and and pushed into something and and gone from there too. Mm. Um, For us to get to that thinking, Andrew, is there something we need to put aside? Um, Do we need to actually go, actually, we need to let go of this bit. We need to let go of this way of going or or this sort of thinking. I understand the idea to be positive and be forward-minded, but do we actually need to give up something ourselves to, to let that happen? Yeah. It's a really interesting question, and I'm not sure I know the answer. I do know we're going to have to let go a little bit of that obsessive focus on the day-to-day right now. I think we just got to, in a way, let the immediate future let the weeks let the week let the days and the weeks take care of themselves and we've got to start thinking about the years you know <laughs> yeah. it's the yeah. years ahead of us and and the question that i'm i keep posing for myself is where do we want to be in 10 years time as a nation as a as a society and and what do we need to do do, do now to set ourselves up for where we want to be in 10 years time and it, when i look back through every one of those recoveries that i investigated they were having exactly that conversation it was south korea after the after the korean war absolutely devastating but they said we want to be an industrial nation we want to be a world leader to do that we need to support the education of our kids absolutely fundamental you know the education is going to drive our future and it wasn't just a government thing it was every family in that society backed backed in their education of their kids creating schools in bombed out factories and, you know, and just actually driving that through their society. Part of a vision, Germany, it was, we want to be an industrial, a manufacturing powerhouse and let's build our manufacturing sector together. Singapore after World War II and that experience said, we want to, we want to become a modern industrial nation. We're going to invest in our people too. So that big vision is, is what we need to, to, to focus on. And to do that, we probably are going to need to let go of the um, obsessive, day-to-day worrying about the detail in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, the One final question, um, as we, we sort of look at all this too, one of the things that hasn't been in a world crisis that we do have in this world crisis versus many of the past is social media. Mm. Um, this is actually something that we do know. We're, and I think, you know, it's a whole other topic of all of the, the great things that social media can do and all of the terrible things it can do. Um, do you think something like that, which is very unique to this crisis, mm. it is something we should be looking at or reshaping or, or or viewing in a certain prism? Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure. Look, I'm not sure we could do any much about social media, and if even if we wanted to, I mean, it's, social media is a platform. It, it, I think it's 
it's it, it's created all sorts of issues and it's created all sorts of opportunities, no doubt. Um, the challenge for us is now that we've got it, how do we use it for good and not evil? Yeah. And uh, and and it, I think one of the one of the things that does concern me a little bit about social media is that it's almost amplified this uh, reversion to people speaking to only only other people who agree with them only, or we've all retreated into our tribes of people. Um, we, we speak to like-minded people. And if we're going to create that common vision that we've been talking about, we need to talk uh, to, all of us need to talk to each other. We need to be having one conversation as a nation. And I worry that social media prevents us from doing that so i do think we need to create work out a ways of having a conversation as a nation that bring us together and not separate us yeah yeah i, I mean and it's always a tough one isn't it with mm. how do we as a nation speak but what a, a great challenge to say hey look um you know you, you look at a south korea or whatever and say look if we can imagine what australia would be imagine what our future generations mm. would be I, I think it's a great challenge Andrew, thank you for in this space when so many of us are perhaps just looking at the days and the weeks. Uh, you've said, I want to take a moment to look at the years and the decades in advance and to challenge us to have that positive mindset around it. Um, really do appreciate all the work you've done and then coming on yeah. for us to, to give us that bit of a challenge as well. So thank you so much for your time. Good on you, Clayton. It was a real pleasure to talk with you. Thank you. Andrew Weir is the author of the book, Recovery, How We Can Create a Better, Brighter Future After a Crisis Such as This Pandemic, here on 89.9 The Light.